the Public News Service Daily Newscast, February 28, 2022. I'm Gina Tempesta. President Joe Biden is preparing for his first primetime State of the Union address tomorrow night before a joint session of Congress. The Associated Press is reporting the speech will address issues such as inflation, climate change, and the ongoing pandemic. The president is, however, also expected to go beyond the state of the nation to address what's at stake as the crisis in Ukraine continues. Meanwhile, officials from the European Commission confirmed on Sunday that the European Union is shutting down the EU airspace to Russia, as well as Russian news outlets Russia Today and Sputnik. Across the globe, rallies, vigils, and prayer meetings are being held in support of Ukraine. Many of those attending have personal or family ties to the country. They're asking world leaders to stop Russia's attack. Closer to home, the New York Immigration Coalition is among groups urging the United States to take in as many Ukrainian refugees as possible. State officials say New York is prepared to coordinate with the Biden administration to accept refugees fleeing the Ukrainian conflict. Nicole Kuda with the New York Immigration Coalition hopes to see more resources directed to beefing up the refugee program. It's an absolutely devastating week for Ukrainians, both at home and abroad. And our strongest message is that the NYIC will always stand with those seeking a safe haven from violence and war. Kuda says the United States needs to strengthen and rebuild its refugee program after the Trump administration gutted it. The former president halted the program multiple times and brought the ceiling for admitting refugees lower than ever before. More than 100 recipients of DACA, the Deferred Action for Children Arrivals Program, and more than 1,700 international students are from Ukraine. Kuda hopes the Biden administration will put measures into place protecting them all from deportation. In Arkansas, the ACLU is appealing the decision by a federal judge who dismissed a challenge to a new state house voting map, saying the plan hurts black voters and violates the Voting Rights Act. Gary Sullivan of the ACLU of Arkansas says that in the 50 years of the law, no federal judge has ever made that kind of a ruling. Until that happens, the effect is that the black voters in Arkansas have had their vote diluted. And it will be hard, if not impossible, for black voters to elect candidates of choice, which is required by Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Of the 100 House districts, 11 are considered black majority voting districts. But the ACLU argues that 16 of those districts would be more reflective of the state's demographics. The case now goes to the 8th Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis, where a decision is likely in 8 to 12 months. This is PNS. In eastern Kentucky, advocates say proposed legislation would boost access to the full variety of birth control methods in rural counties and help lower the number of unintended pregnancies. Mimi Pickering is team leader for All Access EKY, a project working to increase the availability of comprehensive reproductive health services in Appalachia. She says cost and the need to make frequent trips to health clinics or pharmacies to get and refill prescriptions are a major barrier. And this can mean having to leave work or having to find and pay for child care or, you know, for many, locating transportation. So these are real obstacles to getting long-term and consistent access to birth control. House Bill 300 will require insurance coverage of all FDA-approved contraceptive methods with no cost sharing and without the requirement of a prescription. 
It's been two decades since Minnesota created a special account to fund aspects of outdoor recreation. Over time, some of the funding has gone elsewhere, prompting new legislation to restore those subsidies. Former State Senator Bob Lassard helped lead the effort for the original plan. Last week, he testified in support of a bill to restore original, higher funding levels. There should be no tinkering with the money, because once you start going down that path, I can tell you, you open a Pandora's box. The bill advanced and was sent to another Senate committee. And in Colorado, a new study is documenting the experiences of people who have opted to seek medical aid in dying, along with their friends, family, and other caregivers. Reporter Eric Galatis has more. It's been almost eight years since Colorado passed a law allowing people with a prognosis of six months or less to live to seek medical aid in dying. A new study documenting people's experiences aims to remove stigma and help providers make improvements. Jen Curran McCullough with Colorado State University is leading the effort. She says she's especially interested in hearing from caregivers about their grief experiences before and after their loved one dies. To see where are they finding support, how can we provide a additional educational materials for them or additional support groups or services to help them in their healing. Researchers are looking for people to share their direct experiences. They want to know if the new law impacted their own or their loved one's hopes as they consider treatment options and how the treatment affected their quality of life. And they want to document any barriers people encountered when trying to access care. I'm Eric Galatis. This is Gina Tempesta for Public News Service. Member and listener supported. Heard on interesting radio stations, big and small. And you can find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.